Hello, hello. Welcome to the Make It While You Fake It podcast. Podcast about running a custom furniture and woodworking business while also trying to start a community makerspace outside of Philly. All without having any formal education in woodworking or in business. I'm Dan Skirma from Woshop Woodworking and Monco Makers, and I'm glad that you're here with us. I've never understood the beer after like an event running or something. I can't do it. It's so good. Really? Just because it's cold? It's cold. It's flavored. It's, uh, I mean, you're, I mean, at that point in, I mean, it depends on how long of a race or a run you're doing, but I mean, your blood sugar is low. Yeah. It hits, dude. (laughs) Like sometimes it's just like, it doesn't, it could be a freaking chorus light, dude. I mean, it has to be because Coors Light's water. I mean, it's it's Fair. not far off from water. Fair, but but like, it could be anything. I would I would hazard to say, I might even enjoy an IPA Ooh, after. My, oh my gosh! I know, right? Yeah, I don't know. If that's it's rare that I can enjoy one of those. It's got to be one of those like IPA, not really ones, the intro ones. I don't know. I'm talking like. Like dehydrated immediately when yeah, like like a, like a yeah. hardcore hipster IPA, like nice. <laughs> like you make a face when you take your first sip. I feel like I would actually enjoy one of those. <laughs> nice, that, yeah, no. like after like oh, a triathlon yeah. or something. Yeah, absolutely. No, but like so, I've run I've run Broad Street five times, and after they give you like the little baggie of all the food and candy and just crap, and it doesn't stand a chance. I just eat absolutely everything. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you got to refuel. Well, yeah, that's what I tell myself. I probably don't need half of it, but I just keep eating. That's life. But I think um, I think in Makerspace, we'll have beer, like, happy hours. Okay. That's like, what's up. You come and just have a beer and just come and look at the tools. Watch people do demos and shit. Do the mm-hmm. hot dog on the soft stop. <laughs> All the popular ones. That always terrified me. <laughs> It always terrifies me if it doesn't work. I've never seen it not work, but imagine you're the guy that be like, oh, shit. Oh, did I tell you I finally turned off the safety thing the other day? I finally figured out how to do it. With like you mean the turn key. on the safety thing? No, turn off the safety thing. Explain. What? Because our, our safety is on all the time. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And I turned it off. You just switched. Yes. <laughs> You you want you wanted to purposely run it without the safety mechanism. Yes, yes there's a com- there's a combination of like Dude, key it's so and switch and whatever. Yeah, no, I have to YouTube it every time. It was it's annoying. I mean annoying doesn't even come close. I so the problem was I was like adjusting it cut for cut. Yeah. So I had to like turn it off and then turn it back on and then I would forget to turn it back on like the correct way. Were you cutting wet wood or something? I was... Like that old flooring or that old trim or something? No. What was I doing? Oh, when I had to remake those uh, middle pieces when I was doing that church piece. Oh, I was, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I knew I would eventually gonna hit a nail at, at least hit one of the nails yeah, yeah, I yeah. put it together with. Nice. So. Yeah, I, honestly, as much as I do not... After having that soft stop now for, I've had that for five years. I, it's not great. It's not great at all. It's not great. Very. There's so like the longer I use it, the more things annoy me about it. Yeah. Like I just think you have to have one in a shared workshop. Just you do. From, especially yeah. if there are beginners touching it. Yeah, that's that's a. Now, granted, that's literally evil. the only tool in the entire shop that would have any kind of safety mechanism like that at all. So, like, kind of, I don't know, you're not really splitting hairs, but you do use it the most. But I don't know, I don't know when they are going to come out with something for a bandsaw and all this other stuff. And they've been working on a bandsaw one. Don't they? Don't they have a router thing? Do they really? 
I I mean fact checking, but I could have swore. Oh, are we already recording? Oh yeah. Oh, we've been recording. Jesus. Welcome to the show. That's Jake. We'll get to that. <laughs> what up? Um, yeah, no, I, I could have swore they had. Oh, uh, I might I might just be thinking of like their router table attachment. They might not actually have. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah. Uh, but I, I could have swore they had something that, like, same principle, hit anything conductive. I don't think it drops the router. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it, like, huh. immediately stops it. And it works a lot faster because there's a lot less inertia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, like, worse. puncture the bit, <laughs> blow up the bit. <laughs> well, I don't just conceptually it's just a spinning shaft I'm not really sure yeah. how you're stopping it huh or like interesting it may have, it may have been a shaper actually that makes a lot of sense because those petrify me but I mean it's just a like a router's just a tiny shaper it's well, the same yeah. thing it is however every time I use a router I'm fine and nothing shoots back at me and every time I touch a shaper it Makes very loud noises and shoots it behind me. It's done it three separate occasions. Kind of like Scott with the router table. What's up, Scott? <laughs> what up, Scott? <laughs> Jake saw the burnout bit. <laughs> I've, I've got it. Oh, good lord. But well, anyway, tell us who you are. I know who the hell you are. <laughs> it's Jake. What's up? It's Jake. Um, so I own and operate J roster design custom furniture and cabinetry in, uh, Hatboro, Pennsylvania, do anything from live edge furniture, custom commission, pretty much anything out of wood and metal. We make it. And I lift things and cook. <laughs> and he does box jumps on my workbench because he's a foot and a half taller than me and my workbench is perfect height for him to jump on it really is <laughs> like it's it's comically low often well it, so i always heard it was like if your arms are at your side it's right at like the top of your thumb whatever and i did that and it's pretty low yes. <laughs> it's, it's really it's, annoying it's, it's kind of getting annoying uh i did find they have these new retractable casters for not a lot of money. Okay, I like that. So the ones that we have, the ones I have from Rockler over there, you just kick it up with your foot or whatever, but you have to walk around each one, dig your toe under it, and try to get it up. Oh, yeah. I have I the same ones on my bench that so, literally never moved. Well, right. So I can't yeah. barely get under them if you have steel toes on because it can't really slip under there sometimes. It's kind mm -hmm. of a pain in the ass. These new ones... So, for those of you keeping track at home, Dan is one of those nerds that wears steel toes in the wood shop. Because we have heavy things. No, we don't. So, fun fact. When I was renting here, one month into renting here, you drop a goddamn slab of white oak on my toe, and I couldn't walk for like a month. So, I don't think it's stupid. <laughs> Man, I wish I bet you had those steel toes then. Uh, I do. Uh, yeah, no. Because I was carrying it, and Bob was next to us. And Bob saw it hit my toe. He goes, you all right? <laughs> I was like, God, Bob no. was there for that? I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. No, no, that, that hurt. That hurt like a mother. Oh, Bob's my dad, by the way. Oh, yeah, Bob. Yeah, the original the original yeah. Rosser. He'll, he'll come up. Bob's got to be on at some point. Yeah, he'll. he'll... Oh, God. <laughs> so, Bob, tell us about your life. Really oh, awesome. Lord, talk about fucking radio silence. <laughs> well, so I'm I'm Dan. I'm Dan Screma. Uh, I have I run Woe Shop Woodworking, which is a, a word that means absolutely nothing. Uh, which Bob coincidentally always asks what the hell that means. It literally means nothing. So what's a woe shop? What is a woe shop? I get I've now the last couple old guys that I've done commissions for always ask me if it's called hua. They're like, you were in the army? I was like, no. Hua. Definitely not. But Do you see my haircut? Do I <laughs> look? They would kick me out because I look like a douchebag. Um, 
Yeah, I do. I do similar similar things in title, but not in complexity. <laughs> so I uh, I'm from the YouTube University of Woodworking. Uh, just started watching people back in like 2013, 14, and then started doing stuff immediately. And honestly, it started because I milled a tree in my backyard with a portable bandsaw mill that I hired. And instead of scrapping it, I just stacked it and stickered it and then sold the lumber. And I ended up having, I think I had four 10 foot logs of it and it paid for the milling, the hours I paid for the mill it sold with selling one of those logs worth of lumber. So I still had three left. I'm like, well, this could be cool. Maybe I can make, I don't know, maybe I can make money one day doing this. And then uh, one guy that came and bought a slab, he's like, can you just, I just want like a sofa table or something. Can you do that? I'm like, uh, yeah. Because yeah. the answer is yes. The answer is always yes. And the answer is always yes until it's no. Exactly. So I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. So I hmm. went out and bought a lunchbox planer and bought... <laughs> the crappiest like Royobi table saw that they sold and all this kind of crap. And I just made a table that was probably the shittiest thing you could imagine. I don't even remember it, to be honest. That's but, good. Just wipe it from your memory. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I said, well, I did one table. I might as well do another table. And then I did the trestle dining table for my buddy Vinny. Uh, and then I needed a lot more tools. Yeah. And then that, do it. that table took Wait, that was for Vinny? That was for Vinny. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that was Vinny's table. Oh, yeah. So, sorry, Vinny. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sorry too. <laughs> I, I went and saw it because first time stacking lumber, first time drawing lumber. I literally looked up every single thing, and I thought I stacked it pretty well, and it did for a while until it started to actually dry and shrink. Yes, and then it started leaning into my neighbor's fence, and then mm -hmm. it started leaning and getting twisty and whatever. So there's no way it was fully dry when I started using it. There's no way. And then I thought that it was red oak that I was using, mm -hmm. and it wasn't. It was pin oak. Yes. And yes, that was night and day difference. Mm -hmm. so, things. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, no. But that, that table got his little rehab recently because I felt so bad that it twisted the way, the amount that it did, that I went and picked it up eight years later and then refinished it because I had to. But it actually turned out looking pretty good. In the end, it wasn't bad. Yeah. It, was, it was a learning process. But yeah, man, that's what it's all about. The amount of like the amount of stupid jigs and everything. Like just imagine putting not dry eight quarter pin oak slabs that were the mat like twelve inches wide through the thirteen inch DeWalt lunchbox planer on the ground in my basement, which is pretty much what I was doing. It did not go well. Did you I did replaced you make that knives in this house? so many times? Yeah. That was the that was so I had we didn't have anything in the basement. It was an empty the whole thing was an empty basement when we moved in. So I pretty much took up wherever in my basement. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, I'm just like piecing the timeline together. Yeah. So I, we bought that. the house. So I got married in 2014. We bought the house in 2015. And that's when I started woodworking. Yeah. Yeah. Because shortly, shortly after you bought your house, you met Bob. Yes. Well, not then... not that shortly. So how long was it? I thought I thought Bob was there for like all of your like yeah. inspections. So Bob, for everyone that doesn't know, Bob's the town inspector. <laughs> big uh he's a prospector. Real big rules guy. <laughs> he's a big rules guy. Huge rules guy. <laughs> but Bob uh came over when it was near my the end of the inspections of finishing my basement and i finished my basement in time for harley's second birthday oh okay so yeah so i was in that house for three years three and a half years so yeah and then bob came over and saw stacks of lumber on the side of my house and said hey my son is looking for a shop in hatboro i'm like oh that's funny I'm helping an old guy sell his shop in Hatboro. And there you yeah. go. And then we talked on the phone. The universe is crazy like that. And I told you about good old Ennis. Good old Ennis. <sighs> yeah. So Ennis, Ennis was the previous tenant in the shop that was here for somewhat, someone like 30 years. Yeah. I don't know if it was that long, but 
So it was longer than that. Ennis was not Ennis was not the original owner of the shop. Really? Yeah. Ennis pulled the same move I did. Really? Wow. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, th- this has been a wood shop as long as Art and or I'm sorry, longer than Art and John have owned this building. No way. That's crazy. Yeah, just pause this. So anyway, something about Bob. <laughs> something about Bob. Yeah, so uh, a guy just stopped by the shop to drop off a uh, Penn State dust collector for the makerspace he's donating, which is kind of cool. Um, so I don't really know what I was talking about because it took about a 20-minute break. But yeah. something, about, something about Bob because he saw wood on the side of my yard. And then oh, yeah. You, and then, yeah. So, yeah, so Ennis oh, wasn't yeah. the original owner of the shop. That's right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. And he was just one one guy. He must have been more than one guy at some point in here. Ennis had a partner who I believe either passed away or fell apart physically a little bit sooner than Ennis did. Gotcha. Because that's as far as I know, the whole reason Ennis got rid of the place. Yeah, yeah, that makes he, sense. He just slowed down. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. He's doing he's doing art and picture frames now. He does a lot of hand-drawn art now. That's cute. Yeah. He uh, stopped by his house because he, he had stuff delivered from Fez Hall. To here? To his house. But the Fez Hall driver pulled up. He goes, hey, what's this address? Do you know where it is? I'm like, that's in my neighborhood. Who are you delivering to there? He goes, oh, Ennis, the, the guy who used to play. I was like, you're bringing this truck to his house? Oh, that's hilarious. He's like, I can't fit back there. Can I? I'm like, you definitely can't. I was like, just give me his stuff. I'll bring it to his house. Like, <laughs> I was passing by. And they just they just gave it to you. They just here. gave it. He's like, hey, man, thanks. And just drove off. <laughs> like, okay. That's insane. <laughs> I mean, you know, whatever. It was a bag of hinges. And then they gave me another bag of hinges that had nothing to do with an order that I Bonus hardware. Yeah, I, it's, it's awkward. It's tiny, and I don't understand what it even goes to. Well, I'll show you. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's weird. Yeah, I'm going to have to take a look at that. Yeah, no, it's it's like they're really tiny, really tiny hinges. They almost look like they'd be for, like, boxes, not cabinet doors, but they're only one piece. It, it's weird. It, it looks like it's half of a hinge, and, like, there's another half that's missing. I don't, I don't know how to describe it any better than that, but anyway. Okay. Yeah. I'll take a look at it. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so this whole podcast is essentially about, <laughs> as we get into it like 40 minutes in. Oh, no, we're only 17 minutes in. How about that? Well, 20 minutes with this guy. Yeah, 20, 20 minutes yeah. interlude. Um, yeah, no, the whole point of this podcast um, called Make It While You Fake It. Did you know the title? Is that what we're calling it? That's what it's called. Hey, that's what it's called. Yeah. So, essentially, uh, I started making commission projects, and now I'm going to start a makerspace, and I have no formal education in woodworking or business or finance or anything like that. So, (laughs) we're just going to do it, which is uh, nothing to it but to do it. (laughs) Yeah, dude, just two dudes doing it, you know. It's... um, that's a different show. <laughs> that is a different demographic entirely. I bet those circles overlap. Yeah, this probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> but no, this, uh, this makerspace is supposed to be starting off with woodworking because that's what I know the most about. Um, but I would love, I would love for it to one day expand into blacksmithing and knife making and leather work and sewing and all this kind of cool craft shit. It would be really great. It all depends on the location, the place, if it has an outdoor space, insurance, and all this kind of stuff. But a lot of this, um, a lot of this podcast is pretty much going to follow what what that whole process is because it is quite overwhelming. Um, but it's literally all I want to do. So. I'm going to make it happen. Got to chase the dream, man. That's right. That's what it's all about. I'm not getting. I'm, I'm on the right side of forty, but it's approaching. Are you though? I mean, I think if you're not forty, you have to be on the right side of forty. God, I keep forgetting that you're not forty yet. No, man. I'm. My beard says that I'm way older because I'm straight up Gandalf gray at this point. It's getting grayer. Today, today. 
No, and he was just like, you have one gray hair right in the middle of your beard, and it's just bothering me. You just yeah, got, I, got, I got one of those that comes out every now and then. Everyone, yeah, right, yeah. exactly. One that's just way more prominent than all the others. I mean, it is on so when they, I'm convinced that by the time I end up going gray, um, it's not going to go gray. It's just going to be platinum white. Oh, you straight white? Yeah, dude, the couple, the couple hairs that I find, like, either in the goatee or up top, mm-hmm. dude, whiter than a t-shirt. Bob's not gray. Bob? Bob is gray if he grows it out long enough. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I don't really know how the physics on that works. Yeah, no, my... So I remember growing up, my dad at in my head when I was a kid, my dad was always thirty three. That was always his age, sure. and he was gray in half of his head. Yeah, from thirty three on, he was like half of his head was always really gray, and he had like dark, like black hair too. Really? So yeah, well, that's the Italian. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Yeah, no, both sides. Both my parents were like half Italian, half Irish. Mm. It was one on one for each of them. But, you know, this, this major phase is going to be open in somewhere in this area, if you didn't know, with because we didn't even say where this area is, I guess. Well, you said you're in Hapro, so. Somewhere outside of Philly. southeast Pennsylvania. Yeah, outside of Philly. Um, northern suburbs of Philly. Um, I it, In a dream world with rose-colored glasses, it would open this year. We'll see. It would be, it'd be great if it opens this year. But I have to borrow a whole lot of money. That's going to be very scary to do. Um, a lot of red tape. It's a lot of red tape. A whole lot of red tape. Yeah. So I've been I've been speaking to a lot of makerspace owners around the country. Um, I've talked to I think three or four of them at this point, and um, one of them has a consistent like blog that he they puts articles about opening these types of places. Um, it's a different topic. Most of the uh, most of the articles is pretty good, and the one was don't let the government shut you down, <laughs> and the entire thing was make sure all of your permits are exactly what you say you're going to do. Make sure all of your OSHA stuff, everyone's trained. Like Ew. if you're not sure if someone needs it, you just have to put them through it because the last thing you want is to finally be up and running and you're starting to maybe make money and they come and they just shut you down because of whatever stupid reason. Like, <sighs> like just don't let stupid reasons shut you down and cross all that stuff. And that, oh, yeah. they're like, even if you have to hire somebody else that knows what they're doing just to do that, just as like a one-time thing, that's better than forgetting stuff or not knowing stuff. So that was interesting. The other, the other thing that was interesting is, um, so I, I always envision similar to other places around here where you're working on a project, you're not finished with it. You could store it, whatever, for a small fee or whatever. Um, this one makerspace out in Denver their entire rent is covered by just storage. That sounds infuriating. It's so it's interesting when I was talking to him, he's like, so that is our way of COVID proofing our shop. He's like, if COVID two hits and you have no one coming in your shop anymore, you can't just, I can't make rent, throw up your hands. You're like, you're screwed. He's like, you have to be flexible enough to try to be able to make your rent. When it, with the possibility that no one comes in. Um, Interesting. So that also lent itself to having a lot of space. So his was a 25,000 square foot facility. Jesus. So 10,000 square feet of that was divided into five by five and five by eight, almost like a storage unit. Oh, okay. So it was more of like an artist residency kind of thing. Where you so he had storage, studio. like true, like almost like storage. And it's like, I'm building a dining table. I just glued it up. I can't leave it in the middle of the shop. So you'd have to mm. carry it to the sure. storage unit and leave it there yeah. or whatever. So he had those kinds of places, but he then rent, he started renting galleries for people, 10, oh. by, 10 by 10 galleries with some good light and a, whatever you're doing in there, canvas or bringing a sewing machine or whatever. But he's like, they were 12 month contracts if you wanted like a gallery space. So it was yeah. semi serious people that were doing stuff. But he's like, if we didn't have members come in for whatever virus came through next, he's like, we still met our rent and our rent was always paid and everything else was gravy, which is <laughs> kind of crazy to think about. But like, I don't want to manage a storage facility. Well, so I, I can see the allure of it. 
he also said at one point one of them happened to have like an outlet in it. Yeah, exactly. And somebody left a uh, heat gun on. Yes. And he almost torched the entire place. Yep. He's like that. That was like petrified. So we have to be like totally anal about checking every single thing. Like that's part of their nightly close up. Yes. They also had twenty four hour access to the storage units. Ooh, uh, like that. <laughs> a lot of stuff that's like it makes sense if you're like if you have enough staff and coverage and all that kind of stuff to do that mm-hmm. in space. But that sounds way too risky for a starting makerspace. Yes, there's no way. So, um, don't know what your college experience was like but when i went to school for industrial design um we had studio mm-hmm. and that's pretty much the same thing you got your own little 10 by 10 cubicle yeah, right you have a desk <clears throat> and a cabinet your toolboxes and you just make cool shit and uh hopefully sleep at some point <laughs> right very rarely happened mm-hmm. um but that being said, studio culture was chaotic at best. Yep. It was, I mean, people would legitimately be living there more so than their actual like dorms or apartments. Mm-hmm. People had hot plates, people had toaster ovens, people had coffee makers. <laughs> oh my God. That's I mean, so, it was, that is so a worse nightmare. <laughs> it, so being on this side yeah, of right. it, possibly oh, yeah. on like the management side and not yeah. the studio inhabitant. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, no, absolutely terrifying to think of all the things that we did back then. Uh-huh. We were lighting off fucking fireworks in there. <laughs> oh my god. So our, our school's um, studio space was in a uh, it was in a gymnasium from an old boys' school in downtown-ish Boston, uh, Fenway area. And um, we literally had an entire gymnasium that was divided up between the junior class and the senior class. The sophomores and stuff, they were on the first floor. And the, uh, the juniors and the seniors were on the second floor in the gymnasium. And, uh, I mean, we were – we had motorcycles – up there that we were working on at the time when we weren't doing school projects we had i mean so many so many tiny little fireworks being set off i mean people were using soldering irons i mean it was just it was an absolute fire hazard on a good day and um it was pretty much just monitored by yourself after five or six o'clock at night, the staff went home, but we had 24 hour access to it. And, uh, 24 hours. Oh yeah. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> unhinged chaos. I mean, you just have to have ridiculous security. There was like, none. What? There was zero security. No cameras, no anything. Um, uh, we had like ID cards. Um, I'm sure there were probably cameras somewhere, but I don't know where there were cameras in the gymnasium. I mean, there were there were definitely cameras in the shops, and there were probably cameras in the stairwells that led to the entrances and the exits. But, I mean, we literally had people essentially living in studio. I mean, people had hammocks set up. They would... Uh, they would take naps or sleep there. I mean, it was absolutely just unhinged chaos. But that being said, being there and living in it, it was by far one of the greatest things I've ever experienced. But, um, yeah. Now, yeah, I definitely don't want to be on the managing side of an active studio space like that. Unless, unless we're like exclusively renting to like post midlife crisis retired well, artists. Yeah. So that so that's the other interesting thing. So it's that kind of leads into the other conversation I have with one of these makerspace owner guys, and he pretty much said, like, you really need to do your best to price it right from the get, the beginning, so that you don't have to ever raise your prices for like membership. 
um, his experience directly was that he had, I, I forget where he was. I think he was in, I think he was in California, but he had a price point where he was 150 a month for, for regular membership. Okay. And the vibe in his shop was great. Everyone was hanging out, having a great time. There was all, it was always, people were always talking. Sure. There were people always grabbing coffee and like bringing it back and just kind of shooting the shit, talking about their projects, having fun. Like it, he said, it was like what you would envision a makerspace vibe to be. And it was perfect. Um, and with COVID and with some other outside thing, I think they ended up raising their rent or whatever the hell the situation was. He had to raise prices. Yeah. So he ended up raising membership to $200 a month. Which is fine. So he went straight from 150 to 200. Yep. Terrible move. It's that's a huge jump. That's a massive jump. Not only is it a massive jump, it in reality a lot of these places are like gyms. People forget about their memberships, or exactly. they don't have a project that month. Uh-huh. They you know they want to become a member. They don't want to go through the whole startup things. They have to cancel and resign in or whatever. Yes. Um, so they just keep it because whatever 150 bucks. It is what it is. I like. I went there a couple times. I used their thing. I used their planner, and I went home or whatever. Sure. But you know, in some months you have a bunch of projects, and then when it gets to holidays, you're there every night doing gifts and whatever. Okay. Um, but because those people that were still paying and not going all that often, that ruffled all the feathers. Uh-huh. And it said, "Hey, by the way, if in case you forgot, you're paying this a month for this membership, and now it's gone up." And everyone's just like, "Um." Uh, cancel that. Uh, um, I guess I'm out. And yeah. so he's like, first off, they had a 30% drop off in membership. Makes sense. Surprised it wasn't more, honestly. It, well, he was surprised it wasn't more. However, what did happen was he had more fall off after that initial increase mm-hmm. because the vibe changed. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. He said it was it was happy and kind of like almost like a young feeling of people just like hanging out and, yeah. and having coffee and making their projects and chatting and whatever. And it turned into, I can afford this $200 a month because I'm a small business making commission furniture. I need to get my stuff done. Yep. And it was like, okay. And then people would start kind of getting bent out of shape if a guy was parking it at the table saw for a while and they needed oh, yeah. to get stuff and they had to wait. And he's like, people, the whole vibe changed and it took him a while to like recalibrate the entire feeling of when you'd walk in because then he'd introduce new people and they'd go through tours and they're like, huh. This seems just like a furniture company yep. that's just making stuff and exactly. no one's talking and everyone's like heads down. And yeah. He's like, that's not the vibe we wanted. And that's the vibe we ended up having for mm-hmm. a while. So it took a while for him to kind of, I don't know. I, I don't know what changes he made to kind of massage that a little bit, but yeah. he got it back to like a, a somewhat happy medium. Um, but he's like, just if you get to a good place where people are paying for their memberships and you're, and you're making enough money to stay afloat, He's like, just keep it there. Um, if oh, you can. I mean, you can make small incremental changes, but goddamn, dude, a thirty-three percent yeah. hike yeah. is insane. That's a huge. It's huge. If if literally any one of my monthly bills suddenly raised by thirty oh, yeah. percent, right. and I wasn't getting anything more for it, yeah. right? Exactly. Trash. Yeah, out. exactly. I I, I'd be place. more inclined to just offer more services or something. Some, something that's more like a la carte, just sure. to try to make up for it. It's like, how can we get most people to like spend 50 more bucks? Okay, yeah. we'll figure out something. <laughs> Sell more lumber. Where's yep. the price of lumber? Uh-huh. So we'll have a lumber yard on site. Excellent segue. That was perfect. That was really good. Seems we'll have a lumber yard on site because as, as much as it's fun to go on Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist and just call random places and find lumber and pay full retail price for in someone's barn <laughs> you don't know um it's it'd be really nice to just buy it uh when you're working on your project where it is already and you don't have to lug it around because yep. let's see a lot of you have small cars <laughs> you can't really be lugging truckloads of lumber around hey did you guys know that you can fit nine foot boards diagonally in a prius i heard that i heard yeah. that recently it's not wild <laughs> it's really funny um <laughs> I mean, so during that first uh, that first intermission that we took, yeah, a um, uh, the guy who donated the uh, dust collector to the shop uh, showed up in a Prius, and the first words out of Dan's mouth was, 
You brought a dust collector in the Prius? <laughs> and not for nothing. It, it, you know, it's essentially a hatchback style. It's, yeah. It fit a decent amount of stuff in there. Absolutely. Apparently a nine-foot board diagonally. He knew that off the top. <laughs> That's really funny. Um, they tell you when I, I had a Corolla for about a three-year period because I was just underwater in the car and mm-hmm. I needed a car. Yeah. So I had a Corolla for three years. And <laughs> so I put some two-by-fours in there. And yeah. the back seats folded down. Yeah. And so you can get into the trunk, kind of. Sure. Yeah. Well, I put two-by-fours in there. And... It had to be like up onto the dash. No. And then I'd stop short. And I cracked my windshield with a goddamn. No. Yeah. Oh, that's tragic. It was as soon as I did, I'm like, there's nothing you could do. You can't even get mad. Yeah, <laughs> no, exactly. Like, it's just like one of those like, great. oh fuck. Great we're here cool. now. There's another six hundred dollars for a windshield, whatever the hell it was. Yeah. That so was fun. fun fact. Um, all the struggles that you felt in your Corolla. Yeah. Imagine me driving a Corolla that you can't see Jake because we refuse to do video at this point in this podcast, AKA the first episode. But, um, Jake's a giant. He's like, what? You're like six, eight, three fifty, Yeah. Roughly. <laughs> Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> also fun fact, Jake drives a tiny, tiny truck around at his job, his day job. Oh, uh, yeah. So it's one of those old uh, right-hand drive Japanese import mini truck things. <laughs> They're so and, great. Dude. I don't look, know how you even fit in that. It is, it is a pain in the balls to get in and out of. And if I had to drive more than the quarter mile between buildings, it would probably get annoying. Yeah. But, oh, man, especially when it snows. Oh boy, that is a fun truck to get sideways in. <laughs> let me tell you. Well, I honestly just from your weight on a truck like that, uh-huh. it's not gonna flip over. You've already like you're holding it to the ground. Well, so <laughs> fun fact. Um, I almost tipped it one time, taking a corner a little bit too fast <laughs> when I was on the outside of it. The the nice part though is that you just lift it up and tip it right over again. So I have actually gotten two wheels off the ground by trying to lift it <laughs> because my boss bet me I could. Nice. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> I would say. Um, also fun fact. Um, so my boss is tiny. He's probably 5'4", nice. maybe 150 pounds. Nice. Um, him and me together is like 75% of the payload for that vehicle. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Dude, that truck's so much fun. They, they're on Facebook market for like, I think like eight grand. Like all the time. You can import them for about half that. Can you really? Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're dirt cheap over there. Most of the money comes from importing it That's and so then fun. getting it from the West Coast to here. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That's really fun. Yeah. But I mean, they, there's companies locally that import them and upsell them. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't know what you would uh, soup them up with, but uh... literally nothing. <laughs> Power windows, maybe. Nope. No, nothing. You don't get power windows with those. Those those doors are legitimately an inch and a half thick. Oh my! You God. can't fit anything in there. That's ridiculous. But that'd be really fun. To, I mean, it's got to be fun to drive. Is that a stick shift? It's a stick shift. Oh, it's better. a right hand drive stick shift. Oh my God, it's so. Awkward. I actually put that skill on my uh, my LinkedIn profile and my resume. <laughs> nice. Yeah, That's your skill. I can drive a tiny truck. The right hand yeah, stick shift. Right hand stick shift. Man. Nice. Absolutely. It's funny actually. So I, so my the Corolla, my first car, yeah, was a stick shift. Yeah. And I learned stick shift when I was learning how to drive. So it's always been yeah oh, kind yeah. of standard. Yeah, sure. And probably once a month, somebody asks to borrow the mini truck at work. Yeah. And I say, sure, because, I mean, it's a company vehicle. I really don't give a shit. Right. And they get in, and they look at it. What do I do? And they're like, <laughs> I don't know how to drive stick on the other side, let oh alone this. Oh, my God. And I was like, all right, you're, you're beat. Go walk. Yeah, no. Go for it. At walk. least, as long as the pedals are on the same side. Pedals are on the same side. If there are pedals on yeah. the same side, I feel like, yeah. it's just look. Just... Left-hand shifting versus right-hand shifting, it's the same thing. Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah. It's really not that bad. Nice. I learned how to drive stick in college on... Was your suburban stick? No, that was automatic. That'd be cool. That would have been really cool. 
Um, but that would that would have been on the on the tree, I guess. Yeah, I think it's old. Um, yeah, I I drove an '89 '89 baby blue suburban. No, that that wouldn't have been on the tree in '89. I thought it was older than that. No, well, no. So it was an '89, and uh, it had a '91 engine because I seized the '89 engine because I didn't know what oil was. They didn't teach me that when I learned how to drive. Woof. Yeah, my my dad, love him. He was not a car guy. <laughs> he, he was he was not Bob. They, they did not they did not tell me about oil. They told me about gas. I knew about gas. Yeah. Did not know about oil. Oof. So drive it. And what's fun is that in my high school, I won superlative my senior year as most likely to break down on three hundred four. Essentially, the class clunker award. There you and go. I won that, and then it broke down on three hundred four twice. Wow. Yep. One of them was when I seized the engine. <laughs> And, he's, and your talk of company cars is fun because my dad always had a company car yeah. growing up because he was in sales and he was selling this big like electrical testing equipment or whatever. Sure. He worked for Tektronics. He worked for like a couple of places like that. So he always needed a lot of storage in his van. So he had like an Astro van. He had like Yo, Astro vans are yeah. amazing. I love those. <laughs> they things. were fun. He had an Astro van with a built-in car phone with the cable. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. We're like with those little like um, silicone buttons that like wore away, so you didn't even know what they were anymore. Well, yeah, it's muscle memory. At that yeah. Point. Uh, and then he had a Tahoe forever, and the Tahoe was great. Love that. Um, and so when my truck, when the Suburban broke down, facing uphill, I was like, "What do I do?" <laughs> He's like, "Well, you can't go backwards because that's a highway." Yeah. So that was three hundred four going in, in my town of Pro River. Um, so he's like, so we got to go up. We, we can go up and turn on this first road right here. I had to go maybe 20 feet. He's like, sure. I don't have a thing to tow you. Uh, so it's a company car. So I'm just going to ram you up there. So he just got behind Jesus me Christ. and just, you know, just rammed you. Ass to mouth right, <laughs> right, right in his car. And he put it in low gear. <laughs> and he just kept bumping me and bumping me and literally pushed my suburban up the hill when i was in neutral and just destroyed the ever-loving crap out of the bumper of his company car he's like yeah somebody hit me <laughs> yeah, somebody somebody backed into somebody me, backed into me and, yeah. and just drove away exactly like what a world <laughs> crazy <laughs> it's awesome absolutely insane but yeah so that had a 92 engine in it in the suburban after a while so that was kind of nice so i think it was at the time i think it was like four grand to put a new engine in <laughs> Dude, that's a lot in like the early nineties. It's, it's like roughly that much today. I mean, my family had their cars in that guy's lot a, a lot. lot. <laughs> so he's like, "All right, I'll just go find one that's yeah. whatever that will work because uh -huh. he's not going to be riding this truck for very long." And then eventually, I had to get rid of that truck, and I was very upset because that truck that's was awesome. very upsetting. Yeah. But uh, it was fun because in the winter, I had to put cardboard in the grill to get any kind of heat. Oh, really? Because it would cool the engine so much with that wide of a grill that yeah. I would never get actual heat unless I blocked it, huh. blocked the airflow, which is bizarre. Um, the headliner was completely falling down. Eh. Uh, fine, whatever. That's fine, yeah. Uh, the back window, it had the tailgate that popped up and down, whatever, but the window was in the back and it was a crank up. Okay. And the arms rusted away and dropped out, and so the glass shattered inside the door. Nice. So I had plastic very securely taped around things, so that was never going to be open again. So we had that. My friends keyed all their names in the in the hood because the paint was all chipping like crazy anyway. Sure. Yeah. It was, as, as one does. The truck was great. It had four, four, uh, three-seaters all the way in the back. It had four throw seats? Four of them. That's insane. So the full front seat. Yeah. And then, yeah, four of them. So I could comfortably fit 12 people, very comfortably. I wow. could uncomfortably fit 20 because I brought everyone to a yellow card concert my senior or my freshman year of college into Philly. So we took all the seats out. And so I literally just had a giant open area. Mm -hmm. So everyone just piled on in. So that was very safe. So for everybody listening at home, um, the reason why I always think that Dan is older <laughs> than he actually is is because he says things like, I drove my 89 Suburban 
with 20 people in it to a yellow card concert. <laughs> like, in my head, that math just doesn't math with somebody <laughs> under 40. Yeah, man. I, I don't know. Do kids not go to yellow card concerts anymore? Does Aren't yellow, they coming out with a new album? Does yellow card go to yellow card concerts anymore? I think they're releasing a new album this year. No shot. Dude. No shot. Look it up. I can, I, I can almost guarantee you, I'm pretty sure. No, I think it's happening. Didn't they just... Oh, you know what? Didn't they just um, redo... We didn't start the fire. That wasn't them. That wasn't them. <laughs> that wasn't them. That's Fallout Boy. Fallout Boy. <laughs> sure. So, counter countersuit, I guess. What's <laughs> your your memory is like that of a over forty year olds because you don't remember shit. That's fair. <laughs> you also had history of head injuries. Several. Several. Yes. Yeah. So you got to pass on those. Um, well, they released their 20th anniversary oh edition oh God. in 2021. Wow. So, wow. yeah, there's that. Uh, let's see what else they got going on. No, I, I, I thought I heard that, but, um, yeah, actually, dude, I'm totally right. Yellow card is on tour in Camden, <laughs> July 12th. Wow. Yeah. You're going. I'm, I I'm not, I'm not going. don't think I'm going. <laughs> no, I'm not there. I'm not going. I, I do have a lot of concerts on the books. Look at these guys. Oh, they're so old. They look so old. <laughs> but they're still trying to wear like a trendy shirt. Oh, yeah. Got to try. With a little gold chain. <laughs> nice. In case you were wondering the... Uh, Topics of conversation that you will be having in the wood shop—it's as random as this all the time. Normally, more swearing, but God, the one guy has a fucking chin beard. <laughs> Yellow card. What the frick? <laughs> nice. Come on, dude. Uh, well, I'm getting tired, and you have to go do plumbing again. No, I have to go pick up my new. AI infused <laughs> dictation device. Yeah, that. Yeah, that. Look, uh -huh. I'm skeptical, but if it means that I don't have to spend an entire day's worth of mental power to get through one meeting at work and remember things, that's pretty good. Sign me up. That is pretty good. Yeah. Like I hate I'm very curious to hear like wh what this interface is when you have recorded a meeting and then what's it going to do like answer like questions about it, like take notes. Yeah, so it, it literally transcribes everything spoken. And then from that transcription, it like it like <laughs> notes it out. That's crazy. Bullet points, broad strokes, whole mind map. It'll be fun to see just how many meetings it'll take before it's the same notes <laughs> over and over. Oh, God. <laughs> it's like, hey, so here's the thing. We've been having this meeting every week for six months. It's boiled down to the same three points every single week. I think we can stop. <laughs> well, so that's the thing. We have the same meeting every Wednesday at work. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's basically where the QC department... Um, I, I work for a QC department for a manufacturing company for a day job, by the way. <laughs> um, so the quality department hosts a meeting with all the, all the different department managers. Yeah. And we basically just go over all the fuck-ups from the week before. Yeah, right. And it's, look, I love my job and everything, but it's a circle jerk. It really <laughs> is. It is not. The same problems come up every week. And we think of new wacky ways to fix it. And they don't work. Nice. Or they don't get implemented because there's a million other things going on. Yeah. Um, but... It is a nice half of my Wednesday already accounted for before I even wake up I on mean, Monday. I mean you are getting you are getting paid to be in the meeting. Exactly. So there's that. Exactly. So that's kind of fun. All right. It's great. We have um, speaking of yellow card. So we have yellow cards, red cards, and we just released a blue card. Oh man. Yeah. Oh, so uh, new blue cards. 
So <laughs> if you're being if you're being a dick in the meeting or if you're talking over people, oh you get a gosh. yellow card. Oh my god! Like after children, after, <laughs> if, dude, I kid you not. It like is, children, it is like herding cats trying to get everybody's attention span. Oh my to god! So then, wait, so it's just like, is it like the teacher in grammar school where she just stops and looks at you until you stop talking? Like, are you in trouble now? And holds up and a card. And holds up. Yep. <laughs> Get out of here. Like, like, makes aggressive eye contact, holds up a card, and then just puts it back down. How? Oh, man. So are, are your aspirations to be the person in charge of the cards one day? What? I'm, look, I'm either going to be the person in charge of the cards or the person that's the cost of the cards. Uh, right. So. Oh, my God. I'm going to be involved with the cards regardless. That's ridiculous. So after two yellows, yellow cards, the red. Yeah. Well, so it used to be after two yellows, a red. A red is an ejection. You're out of the game. <laughs> See you next week. Now we have the blue cards. Blue cards are a 10-minute suspension. Go sit in the hall. <laughs> they just These are full-grown men. <laughs> they just released... What? The blue card last week. Oh they told us God. about it. How many people volunteered to get the blue card? <laughs> so nobody has volunteered per se to get the blue card. Several of us do have um, a side money line on who's going to be getting the blue card first. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, because absolutely. It's as long as they don't, as long as they don't implement that in CrossFit at all, because I would be getting a lot of cards. Yeah. Oh, jo- yeah. Jocelyn SDL at me a lot. <laughs> So, I'll be honest, doing the 5 a.m. workouts, everybody is tired enough that it moves really smoothly. That's really funny. You know, at noon, everyone's wild. Yeah, exactly. We just don't care. All, I'm, I'm, I'm also a strong instigator, but yeah, whatever. Exactly. I got to have fun. I got to have fun with what I'm doing. That's the thing. So, like, the, the noon class is literally just people who work from home, and this mm-hmm. is your recess. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. But, you know, and and eventually we'll, you know, maybe that'll be, uh, you know, we can, we can join two of your passions one day and truly implement, uh, you know, log fit at – at the makerspace. Hell yeah, dude. So people can do, so we have a lumber yard out back here. Uh, Jake and Bob run a portable bandsaw mill in this area. Shout out Wood Miser. Wood Miser. So we have logs that just show up from tree guys or whatever. And sometimes they need to be moved. Sometimes with a forklift, which is great. And sometimes the forklift is not there. You just have to move them with cant hooks or whatever. Or whatever. Or whatever. Sometimes it's just dragging it with a truck or yep. or whatever. Uh, but yeah, no, just we could have an entire workout dedicated to what to do in a lumberyard. Fun fact, some of the lumberyard stuff may be making an appearance at SummerSlam. That would be awesome. Yeah. I'm trying to get Zach into a like a team beam lift. That could work. Absolutely. Exactly. Do it like the bag thing, like shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen videos of like fucking marine hardcore boot camp bullshit where yeah. like they do with a fucking telephone pole. I think uh yeah, honestly, cut off some sharp corners and you're good. Exactly. I'm into that. That'd be good. We have some right. a- we have some ash beams back there that are not yeah. light. Exactly. And we have some other ones that are light. We have some I think there's some spruce and I think there's some spruce beams back there. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of um Probably Doug fur beams. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. They were getting they were, those are the ones that were gumming up all the blades. Yeah. Um, but no, that that could be that could be fun. Log fit competition. Hell yeah, dude! I'm into that. Ooh, that could be like. All right, so realistically, we'll be doing all the fun shenanigans, not yeah. this coming summer, but next coming summer. Yeah. With the makerspace. Yep. We should host. Like a woodworking Olympics. Mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing says safety like doing woodworking fast. Well, yeah. <laughs> See, <laughs> chisel competitions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
So we have hmm. we could have sprint events for hand cut dovetails. Uh huh. We could have feats of strength. Mm hmm. Just moving lumber. And we could get people. We gotta we gotta time it so that we get a lumber delivery right before this. Oh yeah. And we get the competitors uh -huh. to put our lumber away for us. That's right. It's in the spirit of competition. Obviously. Yeah. Gotta do it for the sport. I'm into that. Right. I like that. Not so, only free labor, they pay us an entry fee. Nice. To work for us. We could have a competition where you just sprayed the bottom of your table, tabletop. Now you need to spray the top, but you're by yourself. How are you going to flip it? <laughs> Yo, one person table flips? Uh-huh. I'm in. I, I, that could be fun. Easy money. It's like you give them a couple a couple of random tools that are just the worst tool for the job. <laughs> they don't get tools. They don't get, they don't get anything? Just manpower? Yeah. Nice. I don't need tools to flip a table. How, I mean, many, how many tools do you need when you flip a tabletop? I've needed the gantry once for the 10 foot long cherry, black cherry tabletops for that guy that were like two and a half inches thick. Remember that guy? The one that I did, the two of them that like were butt up against each other. Right oh, Christmas. yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Those I think it took four of us to unload from his truck. Yep. Those were 420-ish pounds apiece. <laughs> those were enormous. Yeah, those, those were big. Yeah. Those took up a lot of room. Also, that was right after I installed the beam chainfall. Dude, that thing was awesome. And uh, instant vindication. Yep. Oh, yeah. Like, putting yeah. it in, I was like, am I actually going to need this? Yeah, so the, the, entrance to our, the entrance to the shop is a big old garage door. You back in and... Just within within ten feet, twelve feet, there's a beam and now a harbor freight chain hoist. Perfect, perfect. perfect. Uh, that that might be an Amazon special. Oh, is it? Oh, Which that's right. Oh, that's the thing that had like uh, twenty five washers. <laughs> that's like spacers. Yep. Yeah. Looking at them. <laughs> um, I had to use it last night to lift up the uh, Bailey bandsaw onto the um, mobile base. Right. Look, that's the thing. That bandsaw, not that heavy, but it's not. It's nice to it's have. 300, it's 315 pounds. It's that heavy? That's what, that's what the specs say. <sighs> I don't necessarily believe it, but also it's so awkward. I don't even know how to carry it, like lift it up without something. It's just too wide. But, oh, yeah, anyway. But yeah, I, don't have, I don't have anything else. We're at 57 minutes. It's got to love a good hour-long podcast. Podcast about absolutely nothing. Just shooting the shit. Just two dudes in a shop. That's right. But, yeah, no. Um, yeah, this year, sometime, sometime this year, in an ideal world, be open a makerspace in the Philadelphia northern suburb area. And um, you're definitely going to be hearing about it all over because I'm going to be advertising the crap out of it because I want members before we open. Which would be ideal, um, but you can find uh, you can follow follow this podcast on Instagram. Um, make it while you fake it. Uh, we'll eventually start up things like uh, Patreons and all that kind of stuff if anyone actually listens and it's big enough for people to want to donate to the Makerspace because all that money would go straight to the Makerspace because um, there are a lot of monthly uh, expenses there. <laughs> and honestly, we have a full shop of equipment, but we're going to need a lot more stuff. Um, to, to actually open the doors. So anything that um, anything that you donate goes straight to that makerspace, which is really uh, really appreciated. Uh, we have a GoFundMe going for just some initial up, you know upfront expenses. Um, people have been super generous with that. Um, I'm very humbled that that many people that I know through high school and college and even grammar school have donated to it. It's really uh, really exciting. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll put links in show notes and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know how often we'll do this podcast, but um, well, every every couple of weeks would be kind of good. We're here just about every night, so just kind of pick a time. Uh, people can find you on Instagram, J Rosser Design. Yeah, you can find me on there. <laughs> you don't post a lot, but you're I, on there. I think it's been a hot year since I have posted anything. Yeah, 
I really hate social media. <laughs> yep. I'm, I'm just not a fan of it. Again, being someone who is just freshly 30 oh, yeah. also makes no sense. Yeah, it, it's just it's not for me. I'd rather just make stuff in the woods and then venture out into the world to sell it. Yeah. But here I am in downtown Hapra. That's right. Just living. <laughs> Uh, I am Woshot Woodworking. You can find me on Instagram. Um, I'm not going to spell it. I'll just let you try to spell it because it's so stupid. Whoa, whoa! And I, I spell whoa differently than other people. I didn't. I didn't even know this. Yeah, that's why nobody knows how to pronounce your shop because you spell it weird. W H O A. Whoa. Whoa. How do I, so other people? It's W O A H. Is that how other people spell whoa? I don't know. I think I was a so. horrible speller. Ergo, if I spelled it wrong, it's my fault. Entirely. Yeah. Whatever. But on Instagram, Woshot Woodworking. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll do this uh, whenever we can. And we'll, I guess, see you next time. Deuces.